Welcome to episode two of the Descend podcast at Mountain View Community Church, where we take the Sunday sermons and descend into the week to share the love of Christ and share what we've learned to the valley of the week. We want this podcast to be an encouragement to you and a way for you to continue to meditate on the Word of God throughout your week. I'm Hannah Carnifix, the Director of Communications at Mountain View, and this week I'm joined by Aaron LaDuke and Jacob Chaco, both pastors at our church. Welcome Hi, Anna. Hey, you. great Glad to be here. here. Um, we're going to start with a fun question this week. Are you All right. ready? If you could have anybody play you in a movie about your life, <laughs> who would play you? Oh, dude. Wow. Man, I feel like I'm somewhat limited, um, <laughs> you know, for obvious reasons. But um, who was um, – was Cal Penn? Is that the uh, – uh, Harold and Kumar. Guy. Yeah, is he from uh, White Castle? The White yeah, Castle right, yeah, right, right. Okay. Yeah, he's he's you know just so funny, and um, I don't know if I would necessarily have the same you know verbiage that he would have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He would have to clean up his act, maybe. Yeah. But um, I think that yeah, I think most people vibes. would probably have to clean up their acts. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, all right. But I would enjoy uh, seeing him. Yes, play me. Okay, love that. Okay, Aaron. Um, I have no idea. I wish everybody I, could see your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was thinking of a the guy that I think would be uh, really fun to have play me uh, has recently died. Oh, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm. who is like in my mind one of the best character actors. Yeah, he's awesome. And so I was thinking of his like uh, the maybe the second best or tied with him is a guy named Paul Giamatti. Okay, who I think is really. Um, are they fun? I know these names. They're but. all like kind of both, like funny, okay. seriously. They're they're good because they can be like anybody, mm. and I really admire their acting yeah. for that reason. Yeah. And so I think somebody like that would be really funny. I love that. How about you, Hannah? I feel like I have to go with somebody that has red hair. Okay. And yeah. there's lots of good people that have red hair. Lots. I feel like Rachel Adams is not really Rachel McAdams. Rachel Adams. I don't know. Mm. I think it's McAdams. She's like not soup. She's not really gingery kind of vibe but i love her and i think she'd be really fun okay or um why am i blanking on her name the girl that plays katniss everdeen jennifer lawrence i would choose oh, her too yeah cool I both very like talented fun. yeah they're just kind of like fun quirky i would appreciate watching them play yeah. my life so anyhow um okay so this week we talked about politics and being awake to politics so do one of you want to give a quick recap of the sermon and what we talked about for anybody who maybe didn't listen. Jacob, since you preached. Yeah, yeah sure. I guess I could take that one. Um, you know, politics is a huge topic. And I think that what we walked through was instead of starting with what culture is telling us, let's start with what Jesus showed us. And in Jesus's engagement with politics, he was not fully rejecting ways in which our faith enters into the political sphere, but not also fully embracing the ways that politics in our world typically operates. And so um, in that, we have this tension that we have to hold. And on either side, there can be dangers. On one side, if we really marry our faith to the political environment more than Jesus did, we can kind of fall into this era of tribalism. But on the other side, if we disengage from the public sphere, if we think that our faith is private and doesn't really impact the city around us and the world around us, we can um, fall into this category of escapism. So we talked about both those, the dangers of each, and how really being faithful dual citizens was the model that Jesus showed us. Yeah. 
I thought it was so good. It was such a challenging sermon for me. I mean, I think all three of these are going to be really challenging and encouraging because they're just, it's so easy to lean one way or the other. Yeah. So Aaron, anything you want to add? Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, I was, I was telling Jacob after the sermon, like I was really glad that he preached it and not me. <laughs> uh, I think partly because I've, um, I've, it, w- it was really convicting to me because of, especially because of the escapism, mm-hmm. which you probably didn't, I think you probably didn't spend as much time on mm-hmm. because tribalism, I think, is maybe more yeah. pressing for our culture and for, for sure. our church. But yeah. but I certainly come from a background where I'm like, Jesus will just take care of this mm-hmm. and who cares? Yeah, totally. And that was really challenging to me to be like, no, there's like genuine and faithful gospel engagement that we can have here that, um, yeah, it was really, it was really well, well done and, and well thought out. So. Yeah. yeah. And it was even interesting, I think, like when I was first thinking about the topic, the assumption was that tribalism may be the main point. Um, and as time went on, it seemed more clear that there was an error on the other side. And as I think the Lord was just kind of working in me, it seemed as if that error of escapism may potentially mark our church as much or more than um, tribalism, in part because we see the ugliness of tribalism so clearly yeah. in our society. And so it's like an overcorrection. For sure. Or yeah. yeah, potential overcorrection. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Do you um, tell me about your, like, you started reading about this two and a half a while ago, ago, a long a time ago, <laughs> when I conned you into preaching yeah. this sermon. <laughs> Not every day, but yeah, it's been on the brain for a while. It's been on your brain for a while. What was that just like in your own heart? Like not all, the, I know you learned a lot of stuff, but just like in how did the Lord uh, like shape kind of your thoughts or your affections over the course of the last couple yeah. of months or whatever? Yeah. And, you know, I think that initially there was this sense of, oh, this sermon is going to be challenging in part because Jesus doesn't give us a lot of information about it. But I think as you just look at the Gospels, there's ways in which you're like, wow, Jesus models a distinct ethic in his um, interaction. And and like cultural With government and politics. And um, there's actually a lot to draw from. And honestly, a level of both reassurance and being like, I don't have to stand on something that I'm making. I'm just pointing to Jesus Mm -hmm. and taking our cues Mm -hmm. from him. Yet at the same time, I think also being like, well, if that's true, then, man, this does pretty distinctly impact us um, in specific ways, you know? And I feel like I think one of the things even most specifically is I think that I have been, I think since 18, been faithful in voting and, um, you know, almost all elections or all elections that I've been able to vote in. But very commonly, there was a sense of like, I don't know if I need to do this. Um, and I think just even going through that path of specifically how we have power and how Jesus modeled the use of power so well, yeah. I felt a stronger and stronger conviction of like, I should have an incredibly good reason to not vote in an mm-hmm. election, that the default really should be that I'm doing that um, whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about this today. I love how this week's sermon and last week's sermon are kind of intertwined in a way, like the escapism versus tribalism. Tribalism is very, seems very individualistic and hear my voice and here's what I have mm-hmm. going on. And escapism is like the you do you, I'm mm-hmm. not going to worry about your opinion. Yeah. And so I feel like both of these weeks have like, they kind of can play off of each other in a way yeah. that 
is encouraging of yeah. Yeah, to work on both, you know. I've been surprised like how much um, I, I, I had a feeling that like identity would be a major theme mm -hmm. of these sermons. But even like, you know, Jacob and I have talked as we have been working on these sermons, but not a ton. Mm -hmm. And to see the way those themes kind of came out, obviously that's going to come out in individualism, yeah. but it came out a lot in politics. And I think it's going to sure. come out next week too yep. in yeah. technology. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a massive theme here. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So how how does that negatively affect Christians talking about identity and how it's it has themes in all three of these topics? Mm. How is that negative in our culture? I guess. How is the how is our kind of. Um, identity negatively portrayed by culture or how does that negatively impact us as yeah, followers of Jesus? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that identity is something that is in some ways invisible, um, but at the same time has such dramatic implications on us. And identity is such a deeply seated part of who we are mm -hmm. that it just overflows into all aspects of who we are. And so um, I I love the ways in which even these three topics in the ways in which they are on the surface different. If you dig down deep enough, you're getting to the bottom. And yeah. a lot of times the bottom is identity. And so, um, you know, we're kind of maybe correcting symptoms if we talk about things on a more surface level. And I think identity is one of those root issues that yeah. impacts everything. I think it was it was good that you, I mean, even you talking about, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, yeah, I'm a pastor, right. I'm a Northwestern graduate. Yep. Um, I think you said something like we all have multiple yeah. identities and I, I don't think I'd ever thought about it in that way. And so it's not a question of, it seems to me like it's not a question of whether or not, I mean, maybe sometimes it's a question of whether or not I should actually have this identity at all. Mm -hmm. But more than that, it's like, how do I prioritize mm -hmm. who I am Yeah. Uh, or, or what leads, you know, because whatever leads is going to be informing all the others. And that's the, that's the fear of, of tribalism, right? Mm -hmm. Is like me as a Democrat or me as a Republican or me as an independent or whatever becomes, it, it becomes the driving, like the dictating force over yep. me as a disciple. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's so interesting how, you know, two individuals with the exact same, like, quote unquote, identity can have that play out in distinctly different ways based on how close it ties to their heart. Mm -hmm. um, and so even taking a... You know, a, an example that's not in politics, you know, just even, you know, working in the hospital, somebody can be like, hey, I'm a doctor and this is what I do. And, you know, that's great. And somebody be like, I, I am a doctor. Yeah. You know, that yeah. is who I am. Yeah. And so the lens through which they think of themselves, but also the way that they make decisions mm -hmm. in those two situations can be dramatically different. Yeah. And so similarly, that was the idea that, hey, saying that I'm a Democrat and I'm a Republican is not in and of itself a moral um statement yeah. it can be um how that gets internalized hmm. that can play out in different ways yeah it's Definitely. it's hurt the church though i mean I, I would say like for the church in in either side on either side of the aisle it, it has hurt the church to identify primarily with a political party rather than primarily with christ mm -hmm. and willing to at times forsake christ yeah in an effort to align with a political identity has has hurt cultural influence and uh, the good that I think the church, the gospel good that the church can do in culture. Um, and I think it's like, like that's on a that's on a big level. But I think in the hearts of individuals, I mean, we're all prone to this, like, 
this conception or or if we overemphasize an identity we, we can all be prone to 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 thinking that that's kind of the be all end all of who we are or it can it can be devastating when something fails mm-hmm. like like a candidate doesn't get elected mm-hmm. that yeah. we we feel like is fundamental to our identity yeah. yeah yeah i think even part of my reading i think it was maybe reassuring to be able to and one thing that i mentioned in the sermon was this idea that the most common identity identities mixed with our faith are political ethnic and national identities mm-hmm. and sometimes we can just sit here in 2023 being like wow our situation has never happened before you know this is um, brand new mm-hmm. and there's nuances of it that are but lots of of it are not new. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the examples that I read about was also like the Church of England, how when the when the church in England um, basically got wedded to mm. the state, that really robbed the church of a lot of its gospel influence um, because identities were mingled that the Lord really didn't intend to mingle. And so just even knowing that, yeah, there's aspects of our current moment that are unique, but uh, uh, um, underlying themes have certainly repeated in the past. Yeah. And your comment of we should always feel like we're outsiders to the political system, I thought was such a good reminder because that goes back to the priorities and mm-hmm. making sure that Christ is at the front of everything. Um, so thinking about that, being outsiders, what would you say to those who resonate with being outsiders but tend to still hold a party line politically? So would you encourage them to vote for other candidates from other parties or do they stick with what they know? How would how would you how do you see that in light mm-hmm. of being outsiders? Yeah. Especially with the election coming up mm-hmm. this week. And yeah. it's not a big national election, but how do we how do we do that practically? How yeah, are that, we outsiders? That one's tricky because like we don't often get to vote on issues mm-hmm. because of the way that our government is set up. We're voting right. for people right. and and assuming that those people are gonna kind of carry forth the values that they align with in the in the party platform or whatever. But in my mind, the local election, mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, like, I'll confess a little bit, like back when um, I was more of an escapist, mm. we had local referendums on the legalization of marijuana, which is something that I abhor. I think it's a it's a terrible thing for our society and especially for younger people. And I remember thinking in hindsight, like I had an opportunity to express mm gospel influence in a very easy way mm-hmm. um, by just voting against this referendum or mm-hmm. ordinance or whatever it was. And, and, um, and I didn't, you yeah. know, that, that feels like pretty compelling to me to, to think that like, and, and this is a place where you can diverge, right? You might hold a gospel view on one uh, topic that would be a typical like Republican or conservative view. And you might hold one view on another topic that might be a typical democratic or mm-hmm. liberal view. And, and that's okay. Yeah. Like you're allowed to yeah, kind of for sure. do that. Yeah. And so there's maybe more space to do it here. Yeah. I, I think that there's so much emphasis and um, airspace that's taken on national issues. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I think that the Lord is primarily asking us to be able to love our neighbor yeah. and the ways in which we can have opportunities to vote on specific issues locally and also to be able to vote, I think, for a candidate more so than a party platform locally is just, just more significant. Yeah. And I think the beauty even with once you get to the state and certainly national levels, if we still have this posture that we are exiles, I would love to see the church as a whole and our church in particular be ones where even if you land in two different camps, 
unity and love are not compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think that the same gospel ethic can lead to two different conclusions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because on the one hand, maybe this um, candidate at a national level is going to likely vote along this party, which in large part you think embodies more gospel values, and you vote for that person. But somebody else might see that person, and even that idea of communicating the posture of Jesus as we're achieving the goals of Jesus, mm-hmm. that candidate may, in your mind, not be carrying the posture of Jesus to the point that you don't vote for them. Yeah. Um, I think those are two people that are thinking critically and wisely and can joyfully um, reach different conclusions. Yeah. That's like that idea of that. I think you, the way that you described it in the sermon, the posture of Jesus and the, what was the, the goals of yeah, Jesus, goals of Jesus yeah. um, that was, I, I think something, it seems like something a lot of people are feeling like we've forsaken the posture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And of course you see that in certain national candidates, mm-hmm. right? We've forsaken the posture of Jesus in an effort to, to get the things accomplished that we think he would maybe want. Right. Um, do you, or should should one prioritize those things in a certain way or, or are you, or are you saying like 100% of both? Like you, you must kind of live out the posture as you pursue the goals. Yeah. You know, and I think that we can zero in on in this national election, to what extent should someone's behavior impact the way that I vote for them? And that can be a complex question, but I think our political engagement spans far broader behind how we land on that particular issue. Because I think what happens for a lot of us as believers, we might initially vote for somebody because we think that they will achieve more gospel-centric ends and we kind of hold our nose as they, you know, pursue a certain posture. But the danger can be that over time, we can forget the fact that we held our nose to them in the the first place. Mm. And begin to accept very unchristlike postures mm. along the way and have that trickle down to the ways in which we talk about those same things to others. Mm. Yeah. And so if you talk about the very specific issue of how do I vote for somebody when their behavior doesn't match up with their gospel, um, maybe um, voting standards, that's one thing. But I think much more impactful th- than that is how do we continue to hold a high regard for both, not only to our politicians, but to ourselves. Gosh, that feels impossible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, especially on a national level. Like, how do you do that? It feels different when you're like, okay, maybe I could have discussions with people on a local level or mm-hmm. talk with our neighbors about yeah. what that means. And you could still talk with people around you about national yeah. stuff, but how do you, right. how do you do that? Yeah, and I would say that, you know, Unsurprisingly, now that I look back, I got more comments within the first hour of my sermon than I did for any other sermon that I've preached here. Um, And a lot of it was talking about how we live in a world in which this is not being lived out, which shouldn't be a surprise at all. You know, we are a beacon of light in the midst of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of seeing a world around us, and I just go back to even the early church, like this small band of Jews in this world of Roman occupation that had completely unchristlike postures and practices. Um, if we are faithful to be able to live out a gospel ethic, supernatural things can happen. Yeah. Mm. And so in the midst of us trying to think about a hundred steps down the line, it's like, well, let me just do this next step faithfully mm. and let's see how God can use it. Yeah. 
What do both of you think is the balance between doing your research and being involved in politics and also not letting it consume you? Mm. Is that, I mean, is that a struggle that you think people, especially in our church, deal with? Is there a balance? Like, how do you kind of navigate over-researching and being over-involved and also doing your diligence and voting but not really putting thought behind it? Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I think that is... Do I hear you asking or maybe assuming that people do too much research or too little research? Do you feel like you have an idea? Mm. I mean, I think I probably do too little. Yeah. But that goes back to the escapism Mm -hmm. side of me. Um, But I do think a lot of people probably spend a ton of time and effort into all the little details of every election. Yeah. And I think like what I probably can say over and over again is like, yeah, the actual voting is a small part of our political en- yeah. engagement. And obviously needs to be focused on, but um, I would say more than, or as important, maybe as the quantity research, are your, is the variety of sources of your research. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's easy to say, well, I'm gonna go to this news outlet that I feel good about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we live in an age of such polarization that I think that it's healthy for all of us to be able to look at more than one resource mm-hmm. for our research, just because I think it'll paint a more complete picture of what's going on. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I was going to say something, but then, oh, your one of, one of your major encouragements, Jacob, is like, vote but God is sovereign. You didn't say it in in exactly that way, but like God's not going to like the world's not going to blow up because of an election. I mean, I guess our culture can, and and there can be real ramifications of it, but like God is not surprised by any of this. And he's, his purposes are not going to be thwarted by um, a vote going one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that that might be the, the tempering, um, the tempering idea for us as believers when we think about researching or not, Mm -hmm. because if I go, okay, I I should be faithful to steward what I have. Um, and therefore I can't just, you know, circle at rant, you know, fill out the bubbles at random. Um, and yet I I can't be obsessive about this either because God's God's sovereign over all of this, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that that's maybe the, the kind of the, the most helpful, idea to keep in mind as you're thinking that so like are you being faithful to steward what you have to do that you have to research Mm -hmm. and are you are you being fearful maybe is the flip side of that like and and thinking that you know so much depends on this which those things probably correspond to tribalism and escapism Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's good let's talk about the people the the local neighbor side of the politics world um you made a comment in your sermon, Jacob, about like loving your neighbor. That should be kind of our ultimate goal is loving people around us, um, using our vote to love our neighbor. Um, but what happens when our vote is not perceived as loving by mm-hmm. our neighbor? What do we do with that? Yeah. You know, I have experience in a slightly different way with this on a constant basis in parenting, Mm. where there are many things (laughs) that I know 
our best yeah. for our kids. And I will surprise you by saying that sometimes they don't think the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and not everything falls into the same category where it's like, I'm like, hey, Joshua, I think these pair of shoes will be the best for you. And he's like, no, I'm with these pair. I'm like, okay, well, I can kind of flex on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but when it comes to, um, you know, more broader things like honesty and responsibility, you know, there's things that I just know are good for him. Um, and even if he doesn't know it, I can feel very confident in those. And so I think similarly, when it comes to loving our neighbor, there are some things and probably even a number of things where loving our neighbor may be kind of more on the preference side, where we just love them in some ways by being able to accommodate things that they might um, want even more than we might want. Do we want to paint the uh, pool at our HOA blue or green? That is very much um, an issue that's not, yeah. not gospel-centric. But for gospel-centric issues, I think that we can both at the same time stand for gospel values and have a humble a humble loving, winsome posture in doing it. Mm -hmm. I think that will be countercultural because people kind of assume that you're going to be in one camp or the other. Either I will accept anything that you say mm -hmm. or I will bang this against you. Um, but to see people in a loving, Christ-like way uphold Christ-like values, I think, um, will be different. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it seems like if you can't, if you don't have relationships with people that... Um, might disagree with the way that you vote, then potentially you're not kind of in the world in the mm -hmm. way that Christ calls and like genuinely, genuinely kind of like reaching and engaging the lost. Mm -hmm. And like I, and I, this is not true of me. Okay. So I'm, I'm speaking to myself to some degree, like I would want to be in relationships with people having demonstrated Christ like love with people that, that disagree with me. So, so much so that I could say like, hey, here's why I voted for this or against this. And I know that that might strike mm -hmm. you as unloving, but but am I engaged in, in this city or in my family, you know, my extended family enough to be able to have those kinds of conversations that, you know, I can be with people that hopefully know that I love them yeah. and yet do so in a way that that disagrees and communicates what I think is for their best, mm -hmm. even if, and it's so hard, you know, because our, our culture has equated love with acceptance, yeah. which makes it feel like an almost impossible proposition. I don't know that there's a, there's a good answer to that, mm -hmm. but yeah. if, if our, yeah, the, you know, and maybe again, so much of this comes back to posture, mm -hmm. right? Because we can't, we can't just, you know, drop the truth bomb and, and move on. Like we have to be loving yeah. people where they are and, and engaging them with the gospel. For sure. Yeah. And one of the things that I had alluded to is that I think one of the aspects of polarization in our society is that we live in a very binary world mm -hmm. that people automatically say, hey, if you voted for this party, all these other things must be true about you yep. one mm -hmm. way or the other. Yep. Yeah. And the only way to break that is to be able to live in such a way and have a relationship with them in such a way that they, in good conscience, can never put you in that category. Yeah. And so I even think about my neighbors and it's like, hey, I would hope that we have lived in a way of overflowing gospel hospitality and charity to them. That if the topic of voting does come up mm -hmm. and we vote in a party that's um, different from theirs, it's impossible for them to be able to, you know, categorize us yeah. in such broad strokes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that they're willing to like ask you questions and dialogue mm-hmm. about it and not just write you off in a right. mm-hmm. Yeah, He is who he is. Yeah. 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 Um, anything else that you guys think that is important questions you've gotten, Jacob, or things that you think maybe you've researched that you're like, man, this was either a really cool snippet or something you think people would be encouraged by? Yeah, you know, I think that one thing that I touched on that I thought could have been a sermon by itself is this idea of fear and how fear plays into it. And I think that even amongst Christians, there's ways in which we need to be wise about the extent that we even talk about um, fear and what's going on in our society. Because in some ways we can see aspects of society that are maybe not going in the way that we would hope them to go. But yet we know how the story ends. We yeah. know that Jesus has already won. And so I think that being really mindful of this view of the war being over, yet battles are still mm-hmm. going on um, and holding that humble Christ-like confidence as we move forward is um, so key. And yeah. so um, that's something that I feel compelled to be able to live more into. And um, yeah, I would think that would be great for us as a people. Yeah, it's good. Aaron? It's good. No, I, yeah, you're totally right to say the idea of, well, the command to fear not, mm-hmm. the most repeated mm-hmm. command in the Bible. And, um, and, and the, the kind of corollary to that is not, not just like muster it up and fear not, but fear not for I am with you yeah. again and again and again. That's the, that's the promise. The, and so it's not just that someday God's going to make all things right. He is. But right now, he's with us in kind of those areas that we're prone to fear or to escape or or whatever. And he's going to, yeah, he's going to lead us. Yeah. I think one thing that feels like a practical step that I don't do very often just because I don't think about it, but praying for our political system because mm-hmm. that that's a way that we can bring it to the front of our minds and also know that the Lord's got it, you yeah. know, but being more diligent to on a local level especially to be able to talk with our neighbors about it and i don't know engage with people well yeah and maybe the last thing is that you know we picked the timing of this series on purpose yeah um kind of a year before the presidential elections Mm -hmm. with the hope that we would continue to have conversations as the body of Christ be formed into Christ likeness on this issue because we are going to have if not on a weekly basis a daily basis, temptations to push towards what the world mm-hmm. wants us to think about how we should engage with politics. And yeah. so as the body of Christ, especially here at Mountain View, um, you know, being able to remind ourselves of what we know is true, um, I think will make our light shine yeah. this next year. For sure. Jacob, do you have a couple of resources you would recommend people read or engage with? Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of good political books. You know, I think that... Um, you know, a couple that I read, um, there's a book called Truth Over Tribe that talks about tribalism a lot. It talks about um, maybe less on the theological aspect of it, but, um, you know, expounds on the ways in which that's dangerous in our society. Um, another book that I read was called Political Gospel, um, which talks about the fact that our gospel is political. I think that, um, you know, that goes into the nuances of even Jesus' language that I thought was helpful. Um, you know, I think that uh, there are Tim Keller writes a ton about just the ways in which we are to engage our city. Mm. Um, And he lives in, or he lived in an urban context, obviously. But I think that the ways in which 
he articulates our faith overflowing into love for our neighbor, I think is very winsome and biblical. And so I think that's a good thing to be able to think about too. Cool. Yeah, it's good. We'll make sure those resources are available. It'd be great. Thank you guys both for being here. Jacob, thank you for preaching. Yeah. And you did a great My job. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Descend Podcast. Be sure to check back next week for our episode on technology. Have a great week.